Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Midwest Flowers Uncensored. Today here we have with us Cal Ness, Connor Olsad, Joey Vassallo, and our special guest today who is Nick Johnson. Be sure to check out our sponsor, HighMountainJerky.com. They have some awesome seasonings and rubs for you to put on your meats. H-I-M-T-N. Thank you. Jerky. Thank you. I can never remember that. (laughs) But anyway, we have a special guest with us here today. We have Nick Johnson. Say what's up, Nick. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm good. I've been trying to get you on here for months. Yes. Yeah, since before you even started the podcast, like, we're going to start one. We need to get you on as a guest. What is it, episode 11? Mm -hmm. I've caught everyone. Have you listened to everyone, Nick? I've listened to, like, five or six of them, yeah. Mm. Well, get out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like them. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate Appreciate it, man. Thanks for being here. Dude, so um, I don't know if you guys know how deep uh, Nick and I go, but... I contacted, I met Nick because of a Facebook post that he put up, and that was, hey guys, I'm an accomplished duck and goose caller, I'm giving out lessons for 50 bucks, let me know if you need to get better at duck or goose calling, and I'm like, okay, I hit a plateau on my calling. I do remember that, you were, you were speaking his praises pretty high. Mm-hmm. Well, you came over too, and like, at that point I had like 10 students ever, and they're all like beginners, and like you came over and you're like, I'm like, what are you trying to do? And you're like, okay, um, this next hour, I'm just going to tell you how good you are, I guess. Like, I don't know, but it is still $50. <laughs> but no, no I was trying to learn how to do the quick spit. Yeah. And you nailed it pretty quick after that too, didn't you? No. Yeah, no, right, it took me. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nick's like, I'm a great teacher, I promise. But yeah. uh, that's my fault though. Honestly, I don't know what it was about that note, but it was just so difficult for me to learn how to do it. Yeah, I've got kind of a, like a new system, like with the alphabet and all this. I kind of go through with people, and uh, th- those uh, lessons have been going awesome these days. Mm. Are you doing quite a few of them? Yeah, like how many? I saw the other day. How many did you do in like two days? I did twenty-seven of them in ten <laughs> days. Twenty-seven or twenty-eight, but yeah. I was just doing them for free because I'm trying to write the script and like, get the live video going. And tell like, us about that. Well, me and you were going to make a video and put it on YouTube because I just want that content to be out there and available what, what to people. What content are you talking about? The Goose Calling Instructional specifically, okay. yeah. The uh, Goose Calling Instructional, they, that really kind of took a life of its own over the, like the last year, when, especially when I just started doing one after the next, after the next, after the next. Started to figure out a system. Yeah, because you kind of learned, like, it's so weird all the different places people get, like, their next hurdle, their next hurdle, and you just explain it to this guy, then that guy, and this guy. And people's mistakes mirror each other. Like, this guy screws up this end of the note. The other guy screws up that end of the note. You got, like, advanced guys that can't do beginner notes and beginner guys that just breeze through all the advanced notes. It's insane. Yeah, that's so crazy. So you, you basically set up, like, free calling tutorials just to figure out more about how to write the script of what you actually wanted to do. To get it polished. Yeah. Because I noticed, like, when I was just doing them, like, one after the next, after the next, like, it, it was just going awesome. Like, we're... I was getting a lot of tips and like high fives halfway through and like I was just getting jacked from it. Like when I finished doing a calling lesson, I wanted to do like two more that night. Yeah, for sure. That's it was awesome, really fun. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you're also a guide, right? Uh, like, contract guide. Okay. Yeah. I don't do any full-time guiding. So um, what do you do for, for work? Uh, oh, oh, for work, I'm an x-ray technician at a foundry. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just 40 hours doing some labor stuff. And You're essential then. Yes, I'm an essential employee. Yeah, I think it should be noted we are in the midst, in the thick yeah. of the COVID 
coronavirus. We were really staying six feet away from each other. Yeah. Yep, exactly. We definitely we somehow managed to come together and do this podcast. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> With all the limitations. As I touch Nick's leg centrally. Yep. Jesus Ooh. Christ. He's got a long leg. I'm going to so. take the sweatshirt off. <laughs> Please keep all of your clothing on. Thank you. Too late. So your business, your uh, calling business has grown since your uh, star pupil, Joy Vasalo, has... Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I sent a lot of people to you. Yeah. I'm like, don't don't <laughs> i have with your ego dude what he's like oh well actually nick's podcast his uh college tutorial stuff really took off after he you know yeah I mean, it was after no, joey for saying, sure yeah no yeah. i'm not saying that i am the one who catapulted his shit into the next level i'm just saying i at that point i didn't know how to teach other people so i just sent him to nick it is very difficult to teach other people you know like when i first started it was like we're sitting down and watching a like bad grammar together and then that's weird <laughs> I think everybody in the past, and you, you, you like talk through like, oh, you can't do this note. Here's why type mm-hmm. of thing. And it just changed like over. It's nothing like a DVD anymore. In fact, we don't even do any noises that sound like geese for like an hour. And it's even to the point where we don't even blow the call very much because it's not so much like you do something wrong a thousand times and like the thousand one time, like, boom, I got it. It's like a thought exercise, like where you really got to think about why I can't make this note what I'm going to have to do to overcome that hurdle. And it goes from there. It's really a lot of thinking and, and like processing it for yourself rather than just repetition, repetition, repetition. Hmm. And that, that causes the worst thing of all too, is when people, guys get frustrated, they throw the call against the wall and don't practice tomorrow. No. Yeah. You ever heard someone throw their call against the wall? No, 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 no. I was going to say. People like accomplish aggressive. goals when they're at my house. Okay. <laughs> We're high-fiving, man. I want to make that sexual so badly. <laughs> Breaking chairs, high-fiving. Yeah, Cal came over. <laughs> so I did do I did a, I did a calling lesson with Nick, and it was eventful. It was eventful. I mean, how long into it was it? I don't know, like probably like 20, 25 minutes. I'm off on one of my crazy <laughs> tangents, and I heard like a crack. And I was like, that's weird. All of a sudden, like, the chair exploded from underneath me. (laughs) Like, exploded, like, to where I didn't, like, I'm all of a sudden looking up at the lights in my kitchen, like, what? Where? What? (laughs) (laughs) I gotta be honest. The chair was in pieces across the entire floor. That was the first time that I've been with people where it wasn't me that broke the chair. <laughs> Dude, I know. <laughs> and I, look, I just remember looking at your face, too, and you know how your, your eye kind of goes up a little bit like oh, this? Oh, yeah. It was the most, like, exaggerated I'd ever seen it, and I just almost peed my pants, just, like, <laughs> laughing. Just the look on your face, the shock. Oh, my God. Bro, I got to be honest. At that point, I was highly concerned about sitting in those chairs. <laughs> yeah, because they kept creaking and stuff. Dude, if Nick's chair broke, I'm like... I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I last 10 more minutes without this chair doing Dude, another I was thinking about break. that like last week too, because I got a new kitchen set now. It's very nice. And uh, sitting on my chair eating breakfast and I've heard it like squeak and I'm like, what is going on? Oh, sure no. enough, to like three of those bolts were like loose. I was like, what is with me in chairs? Dude. Yeah, that's so funny. That was amazing. A, yeah, because you got about 150 on Nick. Yeah. So if Nick broke a chair... Hey, you know what I want to hear about from you guys, though? Yeah, go ahead. The Bandit Eider. Oh. Well, that's all Joey and I weren't there, so no, I can tell you about it. Tell, tell us about it with emphasis about how Joey wasn't there. <laughs> well, Joey, yeah, Joey gets a lot of a crap. I have he, a fucking yeah. curse. Yeah, he gets reminded very, very often about how he had to work instead of... He had uh, to, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> had to make some, make some dough instead Nick's, of going out Nick's to Nick's the Maine. king of finding a way to get out of work to go hunt. Absolutely. <laughs> Joey, I'm gonna die one day you know that maybe like, you should go to another lesson dude not for goose calling 
just to learn how to not work. Maybe. You're pretty yeah, good at but it But I was with Joey. We, uh, we were out in that by Darren. What's his last name? Darren Lang. Darren Lang. That, that guy is a boss. Oh, that yeah. guy knows oh, his yeah. shit. Yeah. Dude, and he's telling about like, you're coming out for riders, right? And Joey's like, ah, I can't make it. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? <laughs> like, this guy's impressive when he talks about waterfowl. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll take his place. <laughs> yeah, no. Did you go to Darren's house at yeah. all? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Dude, so you got to see like Darren. The yeah. mounts and dude, everything. Yeah, that guy is a bird nerd. Yeah, yeah. I like it. One yeah. of a kind for sure. Oh, yeah. Did you see his slew at all? He's I did annoying. not see his slew, just his house. And uh, yeah, his, you know, his son is an excavator. And so yep. they like custom dug out this slew. Just I've seen the pictures on their Facebook, I think. Yeah, Dude, it's unreal. Yeah. Did you see our video that we did at his place? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was, we haunted that slew too. And yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, yeah Darren's, Darren's crazy. Yeah. He says he's going to, he does the thing out in Maine and then he's going to do something in Washington. Like, yeah, I think <sighs> we're going to Washington this year. Oh, nice. Yeah. What? And you're going to hunt in the sea for that? Yeah. We're yeah. going to try and shoot a Harlequin. Yeah. Oh, all right. Nice. Harlequins are closed in most areas too. It's kind of getting narrower and narrower yeah. where you can actually kill one. Mm-hmm. Might as well shoot him now before he can't. Maybe. Yeah. 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 No, we'll see. I mean, Darren went out there last year. Shot out. Yeah. Yeah. So he was shooting barrows. Really? And, yeah. Uh, nice. Fat daddies, dude. Was nice. he shooting Brant too? Uh, no. He, he didn't, didn't shoot find Brant any yet. Brant. Okay. No, those they things are really small way season. further south. Like they usually hit this. Uh, what What bay is it? There's a bay in Northern California right on the border that they, that's their, usually their first stop. Montego Bay. I don't think it's Montego. Is this a Beach Boys song? Yeah. We're going to do surfing. Damn, I can't think of it. Montego Bay. Amazing. The bay has uh, Aleutian Cacklers, um, Pacific Brants, and what other subspecies of something that's there. And everything's like the most stacked species of banded birds that you can imagine. Like the Aleutian's got the blue neck collars. Right. The Brants have Skittles all over them. So you're a bird nerd. We're going to get into that. But Connor, go ahead and tell us about this banded eider. Well, what do you want to know? Well, dude, tell us a story. I just wanted to dude. know how awesome it was that Joey wasn't there to experience it with you. So the guy that <laughs> shot it, the guy that shot it, his name is Andy. He's a guide up in um, on the angle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, really uh, nice guy. Yeah, he's super nice dude. He's, he was actually, we saw him out when we were snow goose hunting because he was guiding out there. But um, he thought Darren was lying to him. Because, you know, Darren picks it up, he's banned, and he's like, you're kidding me. Yeah, because Darren's like, I mean, Darren's been doing this long enough, you know, he's not getting super amped anymore mm-hmm. about the band, so he's like, banned. Yep, and, and it was like the first eider that we shot. It was a hen eider. It was the first eider that we shot, and so he's first like... First bird, huh? Yeah, well, it was the we, we had shot uh, two old squaw first, okay. and then it was the... The first eider. The first eider, and, uh, and Andy's like, he's like, it's a sick sense of humor. <laughs> like what do you mean he's like he said it was a bandit and he's like smiling i'm like dude it, like it probably, probably is yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, i mean yeah. like i don't like why would he lie about that and then he's like is he serious he yelled out to him again and he's like yeah yeah i'm serious and he's like dude that's awesome so he's getting it mounted i would shit my pants <laughs> yeah that's dude, amazing do you know where the band was from uh no i never never got that from him i'm sure he knows yeah. You find out because a lot yeah, of those come from greenland i'll i'll text him that's right crazy. now and see it yes, looks it like is. a pretty new band Yes, but they also are using non-aluminum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're using a couple different alloys now, but they did a study. I put that on my Snap story about like how long does it take for an aluminum band to I wear or that. fall off? Yeah, and they're putting like a stainless on one leg and a, an aluminum on the other. On there's ringnecks in Iowa. Oh, you said it was like only four years, right? 
Yeah, like it's like six years they're gone. I thought that was for a normal. Seventy seven, really? like seventy seven percent of those things are gone. We look up the numbers, I guess, but like it's like seventy two to seventy seven percent after six years, the bands are either gone or illegible. That's so crazy. I know a lot of redhead bands. I know a lot of redhead bands. You normally can't read them. Yeah, and the redhead bands they take longer too. They yeah. were wearing at a slower rate than the ringnecks. They don't really know why. Wow, it's kind of cool shit. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was fun. I mean. It was it was fun to like see Connor go there and then suddenly I mean how how we go not go and then they shoot a band Come yeah on, dude it wasn't dude, fun for me you weren't there either it wasn't oh, fun. I didn't go either dude Jesus Christ and one thing I don't you know guys if, need to learn to live I guess I don't know if you experienced this or went through it with Darren but he doesn't call no I ev- I didn't hunt ever. with him no and I mean you know calling Eiders is not like calling Mallards obviously but like he he doesn't call at all in the pothole region that he you know guides and then also. Um, the places that he took us to were like just barely legal only like in, in a certain like way, like in, okay. in the sense All of, right. so for, for the eiders, right. You have to be 300 feet away from any house. Okay. So in order for this, us to be 300 feet away from where thousands, literally thousands of eiders are sitting, we had to wait until it was at low tide because then a rock was revealed for an hour and a half that we could sit on. Okay. And, and you can't do open water hunting. Uh, no, you have to be sitting on something. Oh, really? Yeah. Bastards. Sitting on some kind you of You couldn't like, lay out hunt out there? Uh, he didn't have any layout boats, so oh, I actually, you I have no clue. You I have no idea. You can. I don't, I don't know. It's the yeah, ocean. Maybe. I don't know. Did you see Wisconsin's getting rid of the uh, Mississippi River Zone? No. And they're creating a Green Bay Zone? No. Yeah, open water, Wisconsin. They're really? going to have a brand new zone for it, 2021 to 2025. Uh, What's yeah. the purpose of that? To open water hunt, and also when you create different zones for uh, your state for your waterfall seasons, they have to offer a unique opportunity. And for like the last four years, the Mississippi zone has had the same dates as their south zone, mm. and same dates, same limits. Like I mean, it's just the south zone, and we call it the Mississippi zone. Mm. And uh, yeah, so they're just going to melt that into the south zone now and put a new zone out by from Green Bay North up on that you side of Wisconsin. That, uh, you know that young kid who calls for Big Sean. Good kid, really young braces. Mm-mm. It's uh, his name is Matt. He's a contest caller. Yeah, probably know him then. Yeah, uh, he lives on Green Bay, like on Green Bay, and he invited me to go out there and shoot in layouts with him. That'd be awesome. But old squaws, uh, old squaws, I need duck, and then they get shitloads of geese. Something's happening with those old squaws too, man. People All right, he, he sent me the band information. It was from uh, Quebec. Big Quebec, huh? Twenty eighteen. As an adult. Hatched in 2017 or earlier. I want to look up where that's at. Quebec. So, and yes, you can you can open water hunt or hunt from a floating platform or whatever yeah. in Maine. That'd be sick. I've never done a layout hunt before. So, Nick. Yo. You took me on my first pigeon hunt. My mm-hmm. first snow goose hunt. And a lot of out-of-the-box shit. Yeah, we do a lot a of crazy lot. shit. Yep. No, you and I did that lesson. We became friends pretty quick, and then we started hunting together. We went on a, invited me randomly to a snow goose trip out in North Dakota. We shot hardly any snows, but That's the fun highlight, though. the highlight of the trip was you go, ah, oh, you know what? I know this really great pigeon spot around here. I'm like pigeon spot. Like I'd never even that, heard that pigeon hunting was a thing. Is that the 160? Or whatever. Uh, we no. shot like probably 60 birds, but we got that band too. Right. No, that's the. Oh, that wasn't like two weeks ago. No. Oh, okay. No, no. This no, was like two was, years uh, ago, three years ago? Four. <laughs> that was four Jeez. years ago, dude. 
Dude, I just turned old as fuck, so I mean... <laughs> How old are you? Yeah, now I just turned 33. The oh. years are just melting together now. so fast. You're oh, yeah. 33? 33. Ew. Dude, I probably should get a will. Or <laughs> probably hire like a lawyer. Like a yeah. Yeah, retirement plan of some kind. Stay away from the virus. Retirement plan. Yeah, dude, for so real. Dude, that. no, like the day I turned 33, I was seeing like just looking at the news and it's like a 33-year-old man is the youngest to die. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm there. Yep. You know, You're next. I might be. Yeah, yeah, Keep especially being essential. Yeah, I know, and essentially, no hygiene at all being conducted at my workplace. Oh my God. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's cough good. drops and uh, and hand wipes. They just threw a couple cans of Lysol around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> good to go, man. Good to go. Yep. No, so you you introduced me to pigeon hunting, dude, and we just threw out a couple of spinners in this random dairy yard or whatever this like cow pen, and we shot sixty to a. Like 80 pigeons that day. That's, you, yeah. Tom, and I. Yeah, that was a great time, man. That was so much fun. I love fun. pigeon hunting. And then you shot a band, or you shot a band, clear I, quotes. Tom won the band, but Tom he left it band. in my truck <laughs> <laughs> so long that I acquired that band. And then you remember we went back like two years later, mm -hmm. and we shot two or three bands the next time we were there. It was like green and uh, white. The green and white one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. But we shot several. And, and you, that were the only, you were the only one shooting. Yeah. And so you won all of the bands. That's how I do it. That's bullshit. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't have great band luck. Um, I do a lot of band hunting and uh, a lot of not pulling the trigger and a lot of binocular. And, and I saw, I literally had two hunts of all 2019, 2020, where I saw a, bird, a banded bird die at all. And that was my very first hunt in, um, in Canada. It was September 1. And then you thought it was going to be a really good year. Well... <laughs> I, went, I did a special band trip for opener, and I was going after some plastic ones. And uh, first flock comes out. I teamed up with some local dudes. I went solo and just met them while I was scouting. And uh, they knew who I was. They're like, yeah, it would be cool if you joined us. I was like, yes, it would. Yes, it yeah. would. And uh, jump in, and a flock was circling. We had two flocks on top of us. I was like, that one's banded. And uh, the f it was in the second flock, so I'm keeping my eyes on it, and I just see the first flock doing it dirty. I was like, God, oh, they're not going to wait. Boom, they just rake the flock, and I was like, oh, there's a banded one in that back flock there. And then a cripple stood up right in front of me, and it was banded. I was like, oh, thank God we got a band out of it. That's cool. And then I went from September 1 until February, February 27th, maybe, 26th, until I saw my next banded bird die. That's so crazy. And that was... I took multiple trips for them, and yeah, being a band hunter does not mean that you kill banded birds. <laughs> so yeah, because I heard you guys had a fun band hunt this year. Um, uh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and Joey, me got a little bit excited. I saw a band certificate from uh, from a bird of waterfall nature <laughs> that had a money band on its one leg, a green one, mm -hmm. and I was like, I know exactly. Where the fuck that came from? <laughs> and it was banded there 49 days ago. How many other birds did they ban 49 days ago? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and Joey started talking about it. We got a game plan together. It was stupid from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, see if, see if your camera guy can come. We got to film this. I did not say that. <laughs> Bullshit. I did not. I, no, Bullshit. I, was, I do not try to rope people into my stupid adventures. If you want to tag along on you this call me once a week, shit, dude. You call me once because a week to rope me You're down in. to do it. 
And you're not too mad about it in the end. <laughs> and he's not really working, so it's like, mm. yeah. Hey, we saw swans. <laughs> yeah, we saw. We yeah, saw we like saw one a lot duck. Of swans. No, we saw like twelve <laughs> geese total. Definitely, yeah, twelve probably. Not almost none uh, wanted it to come in. Probably zero. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like a good hunt. It was a good time. So I mean, doing all this research, right? Mm-hmm. So you're a pretty heavy bird nerd. Bird nerd, yeah, for sure. Can you like give us a little insight into like what got you so? Like tuned up on that, man. Uh, you know, just I started going into like Google Scholar and just putting in like waterfowl, and there's all these scientific papers out there. Like everybody who's got their doctorate in wildlife management, they they did a doctorate on something, and so yeah. there's a lot, a lot of interesting works out there on like all sorts of different species, and you pick up different insight about what kind of bands are they're putting on where for what reason, and uh, the rabbit hole is deep. Oh, it goes and goes and goes. All right, so let's say you just want to learn, like, some, right? Like, where's a good place to start then? USGS. Um, go to the USGS website. There's a lot of cool um, satellite tracking information on there from uh, previous banding studies. And it's kind of, like, a little bit awkward to navigate that government website. So you kind of stumble into something, and you click on this, and you're like, holy shit. You now you found a whole other cool thing to look into. It definitely will keep you up late at night. And there's really good information if you uh, if you're looking for European geese. There's some live stuff on them. Hmm. Yeah, like gray legs. You can find some gray leg uh, live track and track track geese like Austria, Germany. I was gonna say we're Scotland. Not or so much Scotland, know? Sweden. Um, sometimes they do go up to Scotland though. Yeah. Have you seen that Instagram page, Aberdeen Wild Wings Scotland? Yeah, dude. dude. He was a Christian. He's the first dude I was like. This was like 2011 or 10, and I was just like scouting the internet for European goose hunting. Like, I know they got a fuckload of geese. Like, I think the Netherlands winters like 13 million or something. Oh my god! And it's the size of like Maryland. I'm like, okay, who's the killers over there? You know, like they yeah. got, these guys must crush. No, they're wearing tweed and shooting double barrels. Still, I was like, what the fuck is going on, <laughs> dude? Dude, and pass shooting. And then I found this Christian dude, and he's doing the Aberdeen Water uh, Wild Wing Adventures. I sent him a message out of the blue, like, hey, man, uh, you're the first guy I've ever seen on the internet that looks like you know how to kill geese in Europe, and I have uh, many questions for you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'll entertain all of them. And I just like, boom, 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 boom. He just was answering me back. And, That's so wild. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Well, and they can shoot at night, too, can't they? Depends on where you're hunting, yeah. But there's so some cool. night migrator hunter, hunts they do. With um, their tweed and double barrels. There's some killers that I found nowadays, though. Like, have they do like four or five hundred bird shoots on mallards in Sweden. Oh my god, that's yeah. insane! They they're so disorganized about their laws over there too. Like, we've got the we got the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, all these different branches and divisions, the state. We got the flyway councils, all that. Like our shit's on lock from Canada oh, to Mexico, yeah. and over there, it's like hunting is either illegal. Or it's legal and will quit when the species dies off. And nobody is coordinating anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So those, like, four or 500 bird mallard shoots they do, those are conducted by using bait. And then you put out live decoys. And you attract birds to a pond that's baited with your live decoys. And then you, oh then you corral them out of funnels where you have your shooters weighted. And you're, they're wild mallards you're shooting, but they've been funneled into your shooting lane and attracted there by... Live decoys and corn. Yeah. And you, it's unreal. <laughs> so insane. <laughs> yeah, and then you hunt at night. 
live decoys are are pretty common in places like France. And wow. Dude, it's like taking you back to the market gunning days. I think uh, Holland. No, not Holland. Holland's a region in Deutsch. Yeah, or yeah. The, the the Dutch. Yeah, the Dutch. They kill like they kill the second most geese out of any country in Europe, and goose hunting's illegal there. Hmm. Yes. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Natural. But you can, get a, you can get a depredation permit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You should see the bland, the bands they put on over there, too. Colors for days. I like that. That's so crazy, man. But anyways, what do you guys got going on this year? You going on any cool trips? Anything tumbling around in the old, old noggin? I'm going to mm-hmm. do some turkey hunting here pretty quick. Boring. Let's get back to waterfowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we're going to go to Washington. We're going to really make an effort to go to Washington. I guess that's like on our list for sure. Dude, I just got the goose ID test done the other day when I was bored. To be a guide? No, 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 no. You got to do a, uh, there's an area in southwest Washington and northwest Oregon. You got to pass a subspecies identification test. To do what though? Hunt. Not just to hunt. Just to hunt. You cannot go into those uh, regions without uh, your goose ID test. I thought you had to do that to be a guide. No, no. It's to get there, period. Because the dusky, uh, the dusky subspecies is doing so bad out there. You know why? An earthquake, I guess. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's some, wherever they breed, like the earth, some earthquake went off, raised the elevation by like six feet. So it wasn't so marshy anymore. It was kind of like shrubby. Hmm. And then the predators were just rolling through the shrubs and murking duskies left and right. And Shit. Yeah, I know. So does all of the knowledge, like in general, just like the rabbit holes you go down, like learning about birds, does that help you shoot more birds? Yeah, definitely. Just to have a general understanding of like what geese do, why they do it, what other people think about why they're doing it. Um, you want any you any base of any base of knowledge you can collect. You know, like if somebody tells me how to do a decoy spread, I'm assuming it has worked for them. You know, like I might be like, no, that right. looks fucked. Yeah. But I'm assuming they didn't do that 10 times and it was a complete disaster. So at some point you have to put into your knowledge bank. All right, well, that worked for somebody sometime. Maybe I could see something in my future where that might work for me, which is, I mean, everything about hunting is that day's scenario. Right. What do you see a lot of hunters doing that they shouldn't really be doing? They should, they should not do flagging. Yes. Okay, I'm. <laughs> they, yeah, dude, are we doing this again? Yeah, the whole flagging thing. All right, tell say your opinion about that flagging, flagging scares geese. And why? Because it's a t-shirt on a stick that looks nothing like a bird, and it scares them. Okay, is that you being in the decoys or not being in the decoys? And magic mic in the decoys, out of the decoys. Just I usually don't. I, the nicest thing I can say about it is most of the time it doesn't scare them, and most of the time people use them when the birds can't see them on the corners or at a distance. Thank God. <laughs> sure. Interesting. No, but like if you're in the spread and you're doing the flag in the spread, like say you're laying under socks, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. in a white spread. White. I think you could make some help. exceptions in you're white. Saying it doesn't help. No. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go Whatever, ahead and dude. say that. Yeah. It doesn't help. I think you just hate flags. No, I have a reason to, cause they scare birds away and we get less of them because of it. I don't agree with you whatsoever. <laughs> dude. Nope. Most people don't. Most people don't, but I've seen the problem with it is we can never like repeat a hunt. We can never repeat a scenario. And it's hard to come up with like a definitive answer on something. Are you things. saying that's because every hunt is different? Every hunt's different. Every flock is different. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it might look like you hit that flag on the corner and they cut in hard. But your buddy was also shredding at the same time. And 
even if your buddy wasn't there and you guys were at lunch and all the blinds were open, they might have done the same thing. It's hard to quantify when something works definitively. And I have never got like that definitive out of a flag where I couldn't have been like, it could have been this. Like calling, I've been able to do that. Like you can definitely tell when they just like, oh shit, something's over there. I'm going towards it now. Mm-hmm. But so there's a lot of guys that'll say they'll take a flag over a goose call. And I don't know. And one. you would call those guys crazy. No, I would call them. What's that guy? What's that guy's name? Who? Uh, the flag man. Randy Bartz? Randy Bartz. Great so guy. Do, so do you and Randy get into it or what? No, no, no. Dude, me and Randy go back to when I was like 10 years old. Okay. He probably wouldn't like to hear me talking about this sort of thing. Probably have a right. different viewpoint of me. We keep it, we keep well, it from Randy. Because he's the flag man. Yeah, he's the flag man. Because he's the flag man and he has Dude, a seminar. And I got mad respect for him because he does crazy shit like I do. Like, mm-hmm. I'll look at his crazy shit and be like, what a fucking weirdo. Mad respect. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I yeah. completely disagree with you on the flag thing. I think there's uh, a time to use it, for sure, especially if you're not in your spread. Especially so when they can't see it. That's the best time to use it. <laughs> <laughs> you are so annoying. Oh my God. <laughs> no, like if people are in A-frames outside of their spread 30 yards and the geese are within 200 yards and they're flagging, that's dumb, you know? I will say, I, would, I don't think I've ever told somebody to not flag. Just because of people just do it at times when it's not detrimental to a hunt. And I also believe that the placebo effect is an effect. It's a real effect. And if you think it's helping and it gives you more confidence, that in a way makes you a more successful hunter. You know what I mean? I don't think geese work like that. I don't <laughs> they think don't. they work off of your confidence. They but. don't, but you do in a weird way. The plac- I don't think so. Nah, yeah. Maybe I'm grasping at straws on You're that grasping one. grasping at straws on that one. But, and that's okay. But... But yeah, that's not a popular uh, opinion of mine, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here's a big misconception that I think that most people miss. Um, hiding. Most of the time, I'd say 80% of the time, you are not hiding. You are concealing. There's a difference between hiding and concealing. And there's only one place you can get, actually get a layout blind invisible, and that would be in a textured location. Any, any field, just as long it needs texture, like a shag carpet, you know? Mm-hmm. Anything that's uniform, whether that's six foot tall grass, like, oh, we're going to stuff our blinds into that tall grass right there. You create divots. And same thing with a, like a uniform surface finish on a field, whether that's corn, whether that's wheat, whether that's plowed, whether it's anything. If you create a disturbance on that surface, you break the carpet. Like if you woke up tomorrow morning and walked out into to your carpeted <laughs> living room and there's like five bumps on it, you'd be like, that's weird. <laughs> I don't remember there being five bumps in the carpet last night. But if you go down like really close to it, you see that fiber of the carpet's got a hundred different colors in it, you know? It's, it's all textured the same, colored the same. Everything's the same. There's no seams. There's no outlines. But you can see it perfectly like the moment you step outside your bedroom. Like, whoa, what the fuck? There's bumps in the carpet. So like with most all of our hides, what we try to do is be... Um, we try to be the tennis shoe on the carpet, you know, like you're there. They see you, you are acknowledged, like, but you're going to walk past that tennis shoe and go get your bowl of cereal and not think twice. You're going to see those bumps in the carpet and be like, weird. <laughs> That's weird. Such an interesting yeah. way of saying that. That's so crazy. Yeah, I want, it I'm, works. Try, I'm trying to be the tennis shoe. You know, like I think everybody <laughs> said once, like, what if we could use a John Deere tractor as a hide? That's a tennis shoe and using something that's an obvious like, you're obviously standing out, like, a weird blind of some kind. Like, 
you're, you're, like you're just yeah, overlooked. Like a hay bale or something. Yeah. And the more you clustered and cluttered type of scenario you can hunt in, the the more you can get away with something like that. You ever yeah. hunted Joe's Acre Field? I haven't, no. Really? No. There's like junked up cars yeah. and school buses and shit, and we put our layup blinds right next to it, and Bert's had no idea we were there. Yeah. Had they, zero idea. They uh they don't really expect it. It was cool. One thing I don't that I think I make a mistake on too is I don't like I don't consider that other people don't have the calling abilities. And the calling abilities really will let you get away with some crazy, stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Like some stuff you should not be able to be successful on this hunt. <laughs> but you are because you can call well. So sometimes I feel like I say stuff like, Give me an example you can do of what this. you're talking about. Throw your flags away. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Like, Nick. That's not great for like most people, you know, because most people aren't great callers. Sometimes that flag might give them more confidence, you know, to, to, to hunt better. Hmm. Confidence. I'm not going to say it's going to help bring birds in, mm. but maybe your so confidence that, will. that motion probably helps them more because... No. Dude, yeah. hey, all right, here's the thing about motion, too. There's, there's motion and there's realistic motion. Would you buy... You know how like, you can buy those little dogs that like, you twist up that, you twist up that thing and they do backflips on the carpet? Like yep. a toy? Yeah, like yeah, a toy dog. Yeah, like a toy dog. Yeah, like what if you made a goosey coy that did that? Like, just did backflips in the field. Would you buy it? No. No, because geese don't do fucking backflips. That's not realistic motion. <laughs> geese do flap their wings. Yeah, but they do, that does not look real at all. Yes, it does. You think they can tell Ooh. the difference, though, from 500 yards away? As long as you're using that 500 yards away, you're probably safe on using a flag. I'd and, say if you're <laughs> past 100, you're fine. If anything yeah. within 100 and you go above your head, you're fucked. But I just don't think it looks... I've never mistaken a flag for realistic motion in my, like in my human vision. Oh, I'm going to hit you if we keep talking about flies. So let's, <laughs> let's get off of that. So let's just say, for instance, you're going to hunt a cornfield, mm-hmm. and there's like not an area like tall grass or anything for you to stick a blind into. Mm-hmm. Is there any tips or anything you would give a hunter, you know, in terms of you know being able to conceal the best you can? Uh, be that tennis shoe, you know, whatever you can think of to the, to be the tennis shoe on the carpet. Really, um, I've been doing something where we just use all ditch grass 100% of the time. Yeah. Even, in, even when a field has a lot of trash in it, I don't touch the trash in the field anymore. A lot of times, especially the further and further away from the harvest date you get, um, the more sun bleach the top of the trash is. Maybe there's been a couple rain cycles on the field too, and the bottom of that, um, the bottom is still golden yellow, and then also gets dirt splashes. Yep. So now you get dirt and gold on one side and pale and clean on the other, and you start raking the, that up, and uh, you know everybody jumps out, grabs three rakes out of the trailer, starts getting piles of stubble, and it looks like shit. Like you couldn't stand out even worse if you tried. So I got a question for you as far as opinions go about this, because this is something, you know, I have a drone. I've gone up and flown looking at our decoys at the end of the day or whatever, mm-hmm. and we went out and hunted um, a field. Everybody drives their trucks out to, you know, drop the decoys and everything like that. At the end of the day, when I was flying over the field, it was like, that's all I could see. You know, the, the geese are somewhat look, you know, as far as color, look fairly similar to the dirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the tire tracks are very, very obvious. Okay. So what do you think about that as far as your uniformity and changing um, that up? It can definitely break the uniformity of a field. But at the same time, tire tracks are tennis shoes, man. They're, in, they're on everybody's carpet. It's very natural for them to see tire tracks and fields because most fields have tire tracks in them they're feeding in tractor tracks a lot of times i don't think it's as as much of a red flag as as people would think it is 
Okay. But there are days too when you are hunting and you move the decoys five times and no flock is going to work. Like it sucks. You just are subscribed to, you're, you're getting a zero day or a two day. You know what I mean? And people just start looking at everything like what fucked us? What fucked us? What fucked us? It was the decoys. It was the hide. It was the tire tracks. It was the flag. Yeah. It, it was, <laughs> <Nah! laughs> you know, and it wasn't that it was nothing, man. There's just nothing you could have done about that day. Like that weather was so bad. The birds had so many cards in their favor. Like every day those t- cards get dealt. And some days like <laughs> you are sitting on a full house and they are fucked. And then some days it's the other way around. And you, I try not to like take those days where they are going to fucking win and start making like big wild conclusions about it, stuff because yeah. it's like oh man we just we got screwed bad we got screwed real bad and i mean you talk to other hunters they're not shooting birds either it's one of those days the, the geese got dealt the right hand yeah what, what i mean are there telltale signs to those days uh, to the days that you know you're that it's just gonna be no bad? i would say yeah. no because a waterfowler is hopelessly hope hopeful Addicted. hopeful yeah. like like there's a north wind though you know like i know the weather looks bad guys but but this, yeah, you know, like we have to have that sort of optimism to continue doing what we do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, until it happens, you know, like flock five is coming around and you're like, I hope they don't do what flock one through four did. Okay, they did. I think this is happening. Fuck. Yeah, like, yeah it's over. At that point, I try not to like, if you, if you see that happening, don't get in fights with your buddies. Right. right. Don't be like... You wanted to set up like this way, and I wanted to set up like that way. Like, dude, you guys were both, you guys were both right and wrong. Just sit back, enjoy a little bit of bird watching, yeah, and just take take the L. Are there days where like there's a certain you know weather pattern or whatever where you're just like, no, I'm not hunting because I know it's not going to be worth it. It just always depends on that day's weather <coughs> and what the weather for like the previous five to ten days prior to that were leading up to it. For example, I mean like. Um, when it first starts getting cold out, like you first start hitting those 28 degree mornings, 29 degree mornings. And all of a sudden the morning feed shuts off. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, shit. Now you're getting birds are only going to feed in the afternoon. Okay. We'll take it on the other side of the season too. That's like early in the season, later in the season. Now you're getting days where it's like two below two degrees, five degrees. Now all of a sudden you get a 28 degree day and you're like, we better be out there because it's going to be cloudy. It's going to be 28 degrees. Like they are going to be on the move right away in the morning and yeah it's just different on in different scenarios i think you could say that about everything about yeah. waterfall hunting which is why it's so fascinating too you know right yeah there's, which is there's why you're for sure there's like for sure like four four to ten days now four to like seven days a year where my, i'm like baffled like huh that went absolutely nothing like i thought it was going to today right, right. i'll just sit there and think about it and think about it like son of a bitch man Definitely yep. did not do exactly what I thought they were. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Makes sense. I don't know. Nick, what I one thing that I really learned about I learned a lot about goose hunting from you. Just like weird little details like stubbling your blind with ditch grass for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And then migrator days. Migrator days. Migrator days. And they are some of the most exciting days. I've got a great misconception about migrator days that people have. That is partly my fault. What's that? The big decoy spreads. You do not need big decoy spreads at all for migrator days. Like, if you got a couple black buckets, you're good to go, man. Like, uh, my best migrator hunt ever was over 32 decoys. Mm. And mm. Uh, I would say when we first started doing 
uh, migrator hunts. It was like me and Phil Schmidt. And um, we never ran more than like 10 dozen, you know, 10 or 12 dozen Bigfoots. That's pretty standard. But it's great to use that many decoys. Like when you're throwing out a thousand, first of all, it's warm. Second of all, it's the very first part of the season normally. Like the first two or three weeks, all the buddies are converging. You got a big grassy field. Everybody's bringing their trailer. It's a blast. Why mm -hmm. not put out 1,500? It doesn't, it doesn't hurt except for when they land 80 yards away. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's just a good time to put out all those decoys. But it's totally not necessary. What do you guys so think you, about migrator? What do you think? What do you think the the perfect amount of decoys is for a migrator day? Just be seen. Just to be. A, I think be seen so in the, by the right black birds. Black and white. Anything that's going to provide contrast. Sometimes I go back and forth whether it's I'd rather hunt water or rather hunt fields. I lean towards fields because I've had a couple uh, and by a couple it's like a dozen experiences now where you, you pull in a migrator. And you maybe need two birds to get a limit. So guy pops up, bang, bang, shoots his last two birds. And the other ones just are like, okay, cool. Well, those guys are dead. I'm going to eat. And they just like start smashing whatever field you're in. Just start picking around, looking for food. They're starving. Hmm. And then we'll kick them out. That happened on that day we got 40. Um, up north. Yeah, up north we did a migrator hunt. And that happened on that day. We've had it uh, happen with Ross geese in the September season, like before you could before you could shoot Ross and snows. Really? Yeah. There's many years. How many years ago was that? Um, were you were you like twenty? So that was like twenty years ago. Dude, or? It was a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but every time we had like snows, Ross um, specs come in during September season, they were not legal to shoot, and you could just t you, we couldn't get them out of the spread a lot of times. So a lot of times we'd blast the Canadas, but started noticing that and. But then there's days, um, there's days where you just see 12 flocks of migrators decoy 10. And you, I think you just are geographically in that location where the right. birds are like, I need to slow down and get some rest. I'm done yeah. with this whole flying shit. And you got to just be like, when, have, when they have that attitude, like, I'm done with this shit. And all of a sudden, look, like, what was that? Like, oh, they see your spread. No more wing beats. Like, mm -hmm. it's down, right? You could be like flat, like flapping orange flags they're coming in like they made their they made their <laughs> mind up and then there's sure. days where it's like uh you know everybody's got all the geese are in that mood they're just gonna keep trucking they're not stopping at mcdonald's they're gonna keep going until they see an arby's right and nobody's got to pee in the car yet i mean there's no reason to stop <laughs> and uh you are just getting blown over yep that's well, like in uh north dakota when we did that time right uh, the week before duck opener mm-hmm and it, it dropped to 38 at night, mm -hmm. or dropped below freezing at night in September. Is this when the uh, Minnesota season was closed, but North Dakota still had a few extra days? Correct. Yeah, and they had that cold front. God, that was fun. No, we were all amped up. Like, okay, they're going to be pushing down from Winnipeg right, right now. Right now. And then the day after I left, they started shooting them. But yep. when we were there, I th how many geese do you think we shot? Because I think you and I left at the same time, and you went back. I stuck out there because we ended up hunting right outside of the city, like a mile away from our hotel in an unposted field. Right. And uh, that's where we did really good. Right. Well, you were pissed. You were like, I said we should have fucking hunted here since the first day. No, right dude. I'm pretty sure I was part of the problem, like in most scenarios, and then denying well, it afterwards. No, dude. This is what you do. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea, too. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, we can do that. That would work. Guess I'm and you never just have a definitive answer. Is that what I do? Mm -hmm. All right. That's okay. Well, it kind of does bring him back to what he said in the beginning. I mean, everything kind of works, you know? It just depends. Yeah, if you notice If it doesn't. If you notice something like it absolutely <clears throat> does not work, you're not going to repeat it. Right. I don't know. 
Yeah, that's the tough part. And this is all like cyclical too, you know, like at some point geese are really going to start to avoid the fuck out of the, my little grass patch hides that I do. And we're going to have to come up with something else. And at some point they're going to get used to that. And the grass patch thing is going to come back around. It's, it's all, uh, you know, it, it, it's all a learning experience from the geese and their ancestors that they have to work with, you know, like they're yeah. the adults will t- tell them not to what, not to do this, do that. And we'll pick up on something and start smashing them. And, and they'll learn. And the geese are definitely always one step ahead of us. When you found an area that you knock on a door and it's like permission granted everywhere, I think you've probably found something that's on the waning side of being good. Like it was getting good, getting good. It was amazing. And then it start, starts to tail off. Hmm. Just because they're, they're so far ahead of us. Like Geese don't hide themselves. They're, there's thousands of them making a racket. But right, they... They move around that migration shifts enough to keep them safe. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Never thought of it that way. So you're saying they're they're just shifting areas versus oh all the time becoming wise to certain things. Both, both. Um, the migration lines and the migration routes are constantly in flux, and it's for like a million different reasons. You know, hunting pressure being one of them. But food, a, a small one. I think hunting pressure is more of a smaller effect than people than people think um otherwise like why would they go to a refuge where there's 700 dudes like sitting there we're ready to blast them on the way out that's a lot of hunting pressure right and uh i don't think a goose nor- normally believes it is going to get tricked because they normally don't mm. and um think about it like you know you got politicians always like cutting deals for like agriculture crops um got uh, in minnesota out in western minnesota cargill's investing like 750 million dollars into peas into a pea processing facility for pea protein that's going to change something there's going to be thousands of new acres of peas in western minnesota really yeah i did not know that when are they trying to do that uh it's already in the works actually the um they are they already put more like another 200 million on it they've been planting peas out there it's getting more and more every year I haven't seen any peas in western Minnesota. No, looking in the right western Minnesota. I guess not. No, they, it's like a town will get a, a, a processing facility. Hmm. Like, you remember uh, North Dakota, we were seeing all that rapeseed? Yes. Yeah, canola. And that, like, all of a sudden, a, an area gets big on canola. The price of canola is high. The price of canola goes down. People change their crops over. Like, in Oklahoma, it was a ton of peanuts there when I first started going. These mallards were in the peanut fields by the tens of thousands well, cotton prices went back up. A lot of those peanut fields are cotton fields now. They don't eat cotton. Right. And uh, Kansas had a lot of cotton in it, too. Yeah. And, like, even stuff like uh, that I would have no clue what how this would affect it or anything is, like, the life cycle of macro invertebrates in ponds. Like, yeah. a lot of waterfowl food is coming out of water. Yeah. And we don't have a clear vision on that, especially me. I don't know shit about ponds. But I've followed some geese from Roos to ponds. And I'm like, that's weird. <coughs> so they're going to stage at this pond and then go out to feed. And like, it's nothing but... stay there all day. It's nothing but butts in the air. And they are smashing whatever is in that water. I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. Mm. I can't tell. It's, it's not a cornfield. Yeah, so that's th- crazy. And how is that getting changed throughout the world? The world's a small place to a goose. And they are very good at finding food in it. Yeah, for sure. They really are. Yeah, they really are. I got a weird story about some wood ducks. My buddy, uh, his dad, like raked up all these uh, acorns that had fallen out of the trees in his yard. 
did it for his neighbor too. So he had like this trash bin full of acorns. And he's like, well, I guess I'll just throw it in the woods behind my house. So he like dumped it out, put it out in the, like uh, in his backyard, woke up the next morning, let the dog out to go. Dog had to go take a poop. And the dog was like, boom, ran out the door. He's like, what the hell? And uh, he's like right at daybreak. And he's like, there was 500 wood ducks in my backyard eating acorns. <laughs> That's so insane. It is. And like, this is like Fridley area. So it's not like there's, thousands of wood ducks everywhere but this was like happened between an it. afternoon and the next morning and 500 wood ducks converged on that dude's backyard to smash a giant pile of acorns like how the fuck yeah Man. that's so crazy that's and wild. i mean that sort of you know reminds me of too just like you dumping corn in your front yard yes i've had some weird experiences with that too like where you just like pour it out and you turn your back and they're landing behind you like what the fuck they just find it <laughs> and i mean you're in like a treed area you know, like a wooded neighborhood Suburbia. somewhat. Suburban yeah, definitely. Yeah, lots so of trees. Like, and, and They're and just finding it. They find it and they learn from each other too. Like they're innovative and they also are observant. So there's like my yard, I just put a, I just put corn down and they can see it when they're flying past. I'm sure, I'm sure they're used to seeing some corn in the neighborhood. But not only that, like they will go into people's backyards and they just got like a regular bird feeder for like cardinals. Each mallard will smack it on its way down in. So it'll actually physically knock the thing so it starts swaying and spilling all the grain. That's so insane. So each mallard on its way down into the yard, like this would be like a wooded backyard. They know to just smack the bird feeder with their wing on their way in. That thing's just rocking and spilling grain everywhere and they get down there, just grub it up in about five minutes and boom, they're gone. And they'll go, They just spend the afternoons doing that. They'll go from house to house to house to house. And then there's the guys like me that are putting corn in their yard, like watching them and they got their whole routine down. They know exactly where to go, how to get it. What the fuck? It's crazy, ain't it? They hit bird feeders. They hit bird feeders on the way in, yeah. <laughs> to get them, yeah, That's to, knock so out, cool. to knock out the bird seed. Get a video of that, would you? I can't, probably could, yeah. Put a bird feeder in your front yard. Now they put that, uh, have you seen the videos I take down at the Northtown Mall? Yes, dude. Oh, my hurt, God. Me. Oh, my God. I have God. not seen it. What? Dude. No, I haven't seen them. On the southwest corner of Northtown Mall, um, every time the snow used to melt, it would flood out Springbrook Nature Center, which is right on 85th and University. So they built this little retaining pond, and it is juiced. Like, if you go down there, like 2,000, 3,000 is pretty standard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they're doing some acrobatic shit just so you're like, what is going on? Like, this is mallard heaven. It's pretty crazy. There's gorgeous black ducks down there. Really? Yeah, and I don't. I had not seen a black duck in the, in our area until um, about two years ago. I saw like ten down there this year. Whoa! Some dick is pouring corn down there though, and mm. ruining my yard feeds. Yeah. Do you think they're ever going to open up a river season? That'd be how, nice. How can we get Minnesota? Like you and I went down to the capital together. Yeah. We talked to that very nice lady. Yeah, I saw Dark Joey Sunday dressed up really nice. Yeah, no, dude. Okay, shut, shut up. I wore a suit with my lanyard on. <laughs> yeah. Nick goes down there wearing a freaking suit and his lanyard. And the <laughs> only two people under the age of 50 in this whole room. It was the most awkward. I'm pretty it close to 50, though, so. True. Well, what was it for specifically? Um, it was Moha, Minnesota Outdoor Heritage Alliance. Yeah, it was like uh, just giving you updates on what they're doing with new fishing and hunting regulations, essentially, and then you can put in like an idea of what needs to be done. I, yeah, we just kind of dipped our toes in the water really before mm-hmm. the COVID took over. Right. And oh, then, when was this? Uh, beginning of March. It was. Yeah. Nice. Beginning Where of March. Where were we going with that? Um, 
River season. River season, yeah. Is that what you guys put in for your idea? Oh, we didn't even get a chance. No, no, no. They never really got to that point, but... I think Minnesota is such a large and diverse state for waterfowl hunters. Like you'll always have people that are just like upset about things no matter what you do. And there's always going to be the guys in the Southern half of the state that live next to a river system that are like, they close the season way goddamn too early. You know, I'm driving home from work and I just see thousands of mallards hitting these cornfields next to my house. Well, you live in the Southern half of the state near a river system. And then you got guys that are way up North that are like, this sucks. Um, my 60-day waterfall season is more like 40 because I'm froze out for 20 days right. a year. And, like, so these guys wanted to start earlier. Those guys wanted to start later. I think a good compromise is a river system. Wisconsin has one for now. Right. Um, Iowa has one. South Dakota has one. North Dakota has one. Every surrounding state has one to kind of deal with this uh, river mallard phenomenon. We're also the only state that you can't use mojos on opener. So. Yeah, I think we should get rid of that. Um, it's ridiculous. I think we just need to provide people with... Why are we making it harder in Minnesota to kill birds? Especially to just to set the hook into somebody, you know? If somebody can get a spinner out there and it's just a stupid hunt they threw together and they're just a beginner and they get that flock of teal that just does it, that might just be enough to just make a waterfall hunter for life. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, why just make it harder for those guys to get that flock of teal in there? I love the guys, too, that complain about the youth season. Yeah, yeah. And that you'll hear the same arguments about early teal season. We're going to push birds out. Well, those birds are leaving anyways. Um, we have excellent mallard habitat in our state. Um, our, springtime, uh, our springtime pond count has been unchanged for 60 years. Like if you look at how many temporary wetlands we have in the spring, it's the same now as it was in like the 50s and 60s, even with all the drain tile they've installed since then. And it does, that does not translate to September 15th september 20th yeah by august 15th those birds are on the move they have feathers they are getting the hell out of this rapidly drying state get it and they are going north there's a mallard study where they banded mallards in the indianapolis indiana area for four straight years inside city limits in july so these would be like your standard mallard city mallard broods to see if they had a uh to see if they had a, uh, a higher or lower chance of being killed and then where they were getting killed. So they actually had the exact same harvest rate on city mallards as they did on mallards banded in Prairie, Saskatchewan. Really? And <clears throat> out of that year, like uh, out of those bands, when they got shot like a few months later in the first year, I can't remember what they call it. They got a name for when they get killed their first year after banding. Um, there's like a 65% chance they were killed north. So like this, this migration isn't static where they go north, then they go south. They, right. go, they go to habitat. They go to the habitat where that they can utilize. And it doesn't matter if it's north or south or whatever. It's just, it, it is what it is. They're going to go to it. When you get like a springtime uh, state like us, it's very wet, very lush, lots of flooded grasslands. Get to late August, it is not like that. And they are going north as the grain harvest goes north. You ever set up an early goose season, got mallards all over you in yep. a wheat field? Never hunted a wheat field for opening morning a duck season, have you? No. And those ducks are still eating wheat. They're just doing it in Saskatchewan. Right. So it's not youth season that kicked out our birds. It's the millions upon millions of acreages of fresh food. Sure. That they can find three hours away. Hmm. Dude. I love waterfowl. Me too, man. You know what's my favorite thing probably about waterfowl is you're very knowledgeable. You've been doing it for how many years? How long have you been waterfowl hunting? Oh, yeah, 22, 22 years, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're old. Um, you've been doing it for 22 years. 
God, I, know. <laughs> I wasn't being serious wow. when I said you're old. No, you've been doing it for 22 <clears throat> years, and some kid in Saskatchewan will kill more ducks than you. Well, yeah. Every year, you know. Yeah. But the cool part is <clears throat> everyone has a different style of doing something, and everyone's way works a little bit differently in every different area that they're in. And it works, too. And it works. Yeah. And it doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, that's so crazy. I can't, I mean, it's sort of hard, too, to, like, wrap your mind around, like, you're hopelessly addicted to this. But yeah, there's some kid that's just, like, you know, doesn't have all the same knowledge as you, but he's still crushing. Oh, absolutely. And having a blast doing it. Yeah, absolutely. We could probably all learn a little something from him. I think at some point in the waterfall game, like, if you do, like, at some point I realized I've learned so much about waterfall right now that I realize I don't know a goddamn thing about him. Like, right. they're <laughs> so mysterious, right. you know? Yeah. Like, the more you learn, you're like... Oh, so they don't do that. Why would they do this? Like the questions, the answers lead to more questions. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just taking a stab at it too, guys. Like, here's my best stab at it. Right. Right. Except for the flag thing. Those are definitely trash. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hit you as soon as we're done with this. I've never hit a woman, but today I will. Really? Mm. I got a knife in my pocket. No, you don't. So that's your little wiener. So um, before we close out this podcast, Nick, I wanted to talk to you about the calling instructional that you're going to be doing on our YouTube on our YouTube channel, and I want you to explain it a little bit. Oh, um, we're going to be doing a little bit of fundamentals. If you can't do a spit note, it's because you can't do a fundamental element in a spit note. What are the fundamentals even? What sounds are you supposed to know how to make? How are you supposed to know how to make them? That's kind of like the way the lesson is structured. Like That's why it's good for somebody who is just picking up a call for the first time or somebody who's trying to learn a quick spit like yourself. Like there's a reason you can't do the spit note or quick spit. And we're going to find out within like minutes and then diagnose it and then give you some like resources on how to improve it. And the honker alphabet will just make everything tie in together real nice. You'll be able to pull sequences out of nature. Like, Oh, you hear something you can get, you'll be able to do it. Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to put it out there? I don't know. Cause you've been bugging me about it. I don't know. I just, and, I, and I don't mind it, but you've just been like constantly like, hey, man, I've been writing my script. I've been doing this. I really want to get this out on the internet. What, what about doing that is making you, like, why do you want to do it so bad? I don't know. I just, uh, I think it's great. I think it's great material. I think it's really challenging to present that material in a way that people can comprehend, like, well. You know, it's so difficult. Goose calling is tough as shit to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think we me working with so many different people, they've provided me with like the insight to pass things along. And I don't know, it's just a good thing to do for the industry. And yeah. Um, we'll see where well, it you goes. You just want to give back. Oh, definitely. You just, just want to help people kill more. Definitely. Geese? Like I think the waterfall community has given me a very enjoyable life. Like mm-hmm. uh, I owe all, the, all this to like the community. Give them back. Sure. Yeah. I think it's cool, dude. So it's a great thing. Having said that too, I know you do like some volunteering with like kids calling seminars Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Is there, are there more of those types of things? And like, are there a need for like people to volunteer? Like how can more people get involved in like trying to grow the community? Um, you know what? It's goes to kids, but also your adult buddies too. get those guys hunting. I mean, they, we can influence our buddies more than we can influence children in a lot of ways, you know, like, Kids are great, but we need to get everybody we can involved, really. And I know, like, there's a, it's almost like counterintuitive. There's more people hunting, there's more pressure. You know, it's almost like a good thing, like, that less people are doing it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. but that does not make math, really. The less people are doing it, the less money there is for 
habitat conservation. Right. The less money there is for DNRs to put bans on. The less, the less people money, care, yeah. The less people care, the less influence you have in a legislature. The less people you have writing into the legislature saying, I want this for hunting season. You need to protect our hunting rights, that sort of stuff. Yeah. If I don't know. We're, we're definitely stronger as a larger group. Oh, 100%. Do you see that they just opened up a bunch of refuges, too, to hunting? You did show me that. 2.4 million acres. I'm so excited to travel. It's amazing. I know, dude. One thing I wanted to, um, I'll talk to you about it after the podcast, but I want you to take a trip with me in December. So, I've got a lot of plans in December. What are you thinking? <laughs> well, I, I've I'll got a lot worth, of ideas. I'll make it worth your while. Say a state. No, say a region of the world. Mm, just west of us. No. A couple states. Negative. No, it's <laughs> it'll be worth it. So you mean Russia? Let's go there. Yeah, let's go to Russia. No, Joey can't even get to Maine, so I highly doubt you're gonna. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. All right, fuck I'm gonna her. hunt Maine before can't he is. There. All right. Well, I think. Uh, I mean, we're at an hour here. I mean, obviously, an unbelievable amount of information. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. I clearly can see another podcast with you in the future. Yeah, how can people find you? Um, get calling lessons. Well, get calling lessons. Reach out to me on social media. I try to um, respond to all the messages that I get. I might miss one here and there, but Snapchat, I'm njohnson2367. Uh, Instagram, nick underscore a underscore johnson. Uh, Facebook, Change you're going to have the worst luck getting a hold of me. <laughs> that would <laughs> be Nick A. Breed. Johnson, and uh, I definitely don't check all my messages on that no. or respond to any friend requests after the whole deer sex thing went viral. That was... Yeah. <laughs> A disaster. Holy shit. Yes. We didn't even talk about that. We'll save that for next time. Yeah. About you getting molested by a deer. Me, yeah, I'm ruining Facebook for forever. Yeah. <laughs> that in the 2016 election did, too. <laughs> oh, my God. That combination. <laughs> just yeah. not a good combo. <laughs> Big Hillary guy? No, no. I mean, just like, just the, just the vitriol <laughs> on it, you know, it just got so gross, oh, dude. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I was like, I just want to not see something political. And then good luck. that's when Instagram was like... I'm over here. I was like, yeah, oh, thank yeah. you. There you go. <laughs> I just want to look at fucking birds. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, catch you dudes later. This again and uh, film that instructional video for people to hear coming out soon. I think that's gonna be really good. I do too. So it'll get me from getting stopped from me from getting so many questions on just dumb stuff. They can watch that video on. So yeah, really same nice. here. Be really nice. Yeah, no more lessons. Watch right. the video. Well, I don't mind giving lessons, but it just. Oh, I love it. The, Actually, dumb, yeah. the dumb questions, man, that on social media. We will put up a freaking YouTube video, dude, saying Mokier Triumph Ceremony Review of like Scott's first new comment. goose call that he came out. Mm -hmm. What's the first comment? Hey, we'll call it that. <laughs> oh, that does happen. That happens a lot. Well, yeah, and you know what bad. his name is? Gomer. You know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, what kind of car is it? I get all of that. I get all of that. I just try to politely say, you know, like, you just type that same thing that you type to me, and you push that right into Google. Woke <laughs> <laughs> your triumph. And then you're not mad at somebody for not responding to oh you. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. No, I respond to everything. So. I do, too. Anyway. All right, thanks, guys. Make sure that you check out the uh, check out our reviews. Leave us a review and a comment. That definitely helps us. And uh, we'll be back soon.